2 Timothy chapter number 2. By way of introduction, I want to make a statement that you may at first disagree with, but I think upon reflecting on some gospel truths, we'll come to see that it is indeed true. This is the statement, and if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. You and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, could not be any better off than we are tonight. I'll say that again. You and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, could not be any better off than we are tonight. How many of us who've been in church a long time, or it doesn't have to be a long time, but when we hear the story of Adam and Eve, and we hear that they lived in this perfect garden, uh, in this paradise, and how many of us, we look at them with envy. And we look at them with jealousy, thinking, if only I could have had that experience of living in a perfect environment. But you know that we as believers in Jesus Christ don't have to be jealous of Adam and Eve. In so many ways, we have it better than they did. If you think about it, Adam and Eve, for one sin, they were banished from the garden. But you and I have sinned countless times against God, and yet we are on our way to heaven. Romans 5.20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And aren't you glad that though the list of our sins is, is longer and greater than we could count, we are on our way to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. They, Adam and Eve, merely had innocence before they ate the forbidden fruit. They, they hadn't yet sinned. They had innocence. But you and I, who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, are clothed in His righteousness. Better than innocence, we have Christ's perfection on our account. Romans 3.22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. We are clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. Adam and Eve merely walked and talked with God during the cool of the day, but Christ, lives inside of us as believers, and we get to abide in Him. Adam and Eve, after eating of the forbidden fruit and being banished from the garden for the rest of their days on earth, they pined for the good old days in the garden. They pined for a time that was better. And if you think about it, their life started off so great, but just got worse and worse. They went from living in a perfect garden with God in the beginning to then being banished and then watching their son murder their other son and then watching all the effects of their sin. But you and I, who entered this life dead in trespasses and sins, God reached out to us in His mercy, rescued us from that, quickened us 
made us seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And because of Christ, you and I know that the best is yet to come. Adam and Eve always looked back to a day when things are better. But you and I get to look forward to a day that will be better than anything we can imagine. I love Proverbs 4, verse 18. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. You know why we couldn't be any better off? Because it just gets better and better. We have so much to look forward to. Romans 8, verse 18. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Christian, your suffering for Christ, your endurance for Him, your service to Him in times of trouble, it will be worth it all. The best is yet to come. Adam and Eve, all they did was reproduce more sinners who would eventually die because of their sin. They reproduce in many ways death. But you and I get to reproduce believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who get to enjoy eternal life because of His righteousness. Adam and Eve only knew part of God's story. They could only see so far into God's plan. But you and I, we know how it all ends. We know the story from beginning to end. We know where we are headed. We know the whole story. So Christian, I want to remind you tonight at the beginning of this message, we've got it made. Our lives could not be better. That is why we are commanded, rejoice in the Lord always. You know what that command is? That command is not as we sometimes look at it, grit your teeth really hard, try to smile even when times are tough, try to be thankful. No, that is God telling you, enjoy me all your days. Enjoy all I've given you. And in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul is nearing the end of his life. He's about to be executed. He's in prison. But there is a triumphant tone in his voice. And in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, he sums up, he says, he says of God who hath saved us and called us within holy calling, not according to our works. Aren't you glad that we are not called of God because of our works? If so, we'd be just like Adam and Eve. All our works would do was would damn us, would condemn us. But because of His grace, we've been given this holy calling which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Does that sound like someone who's miserable? Does that sound like someone who's in prison and about to die? No, that sounds like a man who is triumphing in Christ and knows that although everything on the outside looks terrible, he's got it made. And Christian, 2,000 years later, we've got the same gospel. We've got the same Lord Jesus. We've got the same destiny as the Apostle Paul. We've got the same holy calling. 
We get to enjoy everything that Paul enjoyed. And we get to do the same thing that Paul got to do. We get to share this message of salvation. This message of eternal life and immortality. Of a never-ending relationship with a God who loves us. We get to share that with a lost and dying world. We've got it made. But just like Adam and Eve, living in paradise, having all that they could wish for, we have an enemy who wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy all that our God has given us. And as we're looking here in 2 Timothy, we are faced with the same choice as Timothy. Am I going to live my life for this wondrous, this glorious gospel? Or am I going to allow the devil, that same devil that fooled Adam and Eve, am I going to allow him to dupe me like he duped them out of all the blessings that God wanted to give them? Out of their glorious calling, we're faced with the same choice. And tonight, as we look here in 2 Timothy 2, we are going to see how the devil operates and how he tries to divert us from this glorious life in the gospel. And Christian, I hope you're sitting up tonight. I hope you're listening because you and I, because we've got this book in our hands, don't have to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And you don't have to continue letting the devil steal, kill, and destroy the abundant life that God wants to give you. Your life doesn't have to be any less abundant than the Apostle Paul's. It's your choice. God tells us in His Word, this is how the enemy works, and this is how you can have victory in Christ. So let's look at our text here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll read verses 14 through 19. I'll read verse 14. If you can read verse 15, so on and so forth, all the way through verse 19. The Bible says, of these things, these, these gospel fundamentals, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Heavenly Father, Tonight we lift up our souls unto Thee and we ask that You would work in our midst in a mighty way. We know that when we're gathered together in Christ's name that He is in our midst. And he desperately wants to speak to each one of us. We know that as You look down upon us from heaven, You want us to enjoy an abundant life in the Gospel. You want to use us to take this saving message of the Gospel to those around us who are lost and headed for hell. But Lord, we know we have an enemy who is very real. He's alive and well, and he's, 
He's working to steal, kill, and destroy all that you've given us. And so tonight, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint the tongue of this feeble preacher to declare these truths from your word. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in each heart to give us understanding of these truths, to show us how they play out in our daily lives. And oh God, we pray that you would deliver us from the distractions and the deception of the enemy and help us to live lives focused on the gospel. Lord, we know that without you we can do nothing. We can't preach. We, we can't hear your word in a way that is profitable. And we certainly can't live it uh, if you don't help us. And so we ask you for your help tonight, praying that your Holy Spirit would have his way in our midst and that the Lord Jesus would be lifted up and draw all of our hearts to himself. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this glorious calling. Please speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. How does the devil operate? You're taking notes. Number one, he tries to distract us from the gospel. How does the devil operate? Number one, he distracts us from the gospel. Notice verse 14 of our text. Paul is urging Timothy, of these things, these gospel fundamentals, put them in remembrance. Those faithful men that you're training to teach others also, put them in remembrance of these gospel things, charging them before the Lord. When the Apostle Paul employs that kind of terminology, before the Lord, he's saying, sit up straight and listen to what I have to say, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. That phrase, strive not about words to no profit. It literally means to argue or to quarrel about individual words. And so in Paul's day, this was a characteristic of false teachers. Rather than preaching the glorious, big picture, gospel truths, they would strive about words. They would quarrel about nitty-gritty issues, and they miss the big picture. It's like the Pharisees, who the Lord Jesus said, you strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. You're so focused on the nitty-gritty that you're totally blind to the big picture of what God is doing. And in the context of this passage, as Paul is speaking to Timothy, uh, he's giving instructions regarding how preachers should go about their work. And we shouldn't waste our time striving about words, quarreling about, quarreling about side issues. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. And so the, the main context of this is that as preachers of the gospel, Sunday school teachers, as parents who are entrusted to teach the gospel to your children, we need to be very careful that we're not getting distracted with side issues, striving about words, and forgetting the main thing, which is the gospel. But also you'll notice that these types of strifes about words, they, they work to the subverting. That means the destruction or the pulling down of the hearers. And that word here in the Greek, it, it, it's not passive. It's someone who is actively listening. So not only here are we warned against 
striving about words and, and using leadership, using our opportunities to teach the gospel and, and wasting them on side issues, there's not only a warning there, but there's also a warning that we need to be very careful who we're listening to. And you know, there are a lot of internet preachers you can find who love to strive about words. And they have an argumentative spirit. And like we learned a couple weeks ago, they don't rightly divide the word of truth because their preaching doesn't result in greater Christ-likeness or greater love for Christ. They're always arguing, trying to prove that they're right, always focused on side issues. And you and I need to be very careful who we're listening to because the devil is very intent on distracting us from the gospel. So that's the main context. But I want you to see a broader application of this truth. I want you to ask yourself, in my life, what do I allow to distract me from the gospel? Here, th these people, they're, they're arguing, they're quarreling about trivial things. And Christian, how often in our daily life do we let trivial side matters upset us and divert our attention from the gospel. How many of us, and when I was a, a kid, just ask Brother Austin, how many of us get so distracted arguing with a sibling or with a spouse or with a parent over something so trivial, all the while totally forgetting about the gospel? You know, every day God gives us gospel opportunities with lost people that we meet. There's an opportunity to point them to Christ with your children, with your siblings, with your spouse. Every day you have gospel opportunities of pointing them to Christ. But the devil is doing everything he can to distract you, to get you upset and, and bothered and arguing over trivial things. How many of us get upset when we're out and about, maybe doing errands or at work, and we get upset when lost people act like lost people? When an unregenerate person who does not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who does not have His Spirit working in them to produce love, joy, and peace, we get upset when they're unkind to us. And if we're not careful, we can get in arguments with lost people about things that don't really matter. And there God is giving us this gospel opportunity, but we're allowing the devil to dupe us into being distracted from the glorious gospel and striving about words. How many of us complain about the most trivial things? Whether it's at home, your mother has worked hard to make a meal, but it's not your favorite, so you gripe about it. Or, or whether, young person, you're at school and the teacher does something that isn't fair or, or isn't kind or you just don't particularly like the way they go about your job, and you start complaining and bickering with the other students, you know what you're doing? You're not lifting up Christ. You're, you're distracted from the gospel, missing opportunities that God wants to give you. You know, in our soul winning, we have to be careful about this. If the devil can get you distracted in a soul winning conversation, to arguing about some side issue, or even just arguing in general. 
He's one. And I know he's one in many, many times in my life where I've, it, I, I passionately wanted someone to know the truth. But because I wasn't careful in my spirit, I ended up getting argumentative. And really, I shut the door on a future gospel witness there because I was striving. So we've got to be very careful. The, the devil is doing everything he can to distract us from the gospel with trivial little things. And every day we can either get upset about those little things, we can make big issues out of them, or we can say, no, I'm going to focus on the gospel. How can the Lord Jesus be glorified in this situation? How can my thankfulness and my kind spirit in this situation, how can that glorify Christ? Let's focus on the gospel. So the devil, he does everything he can to distract us from the gospel. But then number two, he does everything he can to distance us from God. To distance us from God. Look with me at verse 16. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase increase unto more ungodliness. Profane there, it means something that is worldly. Something that is godless. Something that is not in line with this book. And vain babblings, that is empty, fruitless, unproductive chatter. Speech that just doesn't profit anyone. And then this kind of talk it will increase unto more ungodliness. You know what ungodliness is? It's living with no regard for God. And isn't that an apt description of the world that we live in? Ungodly. No regard for God. No fear of God. And because this world system is run by the devil, the God of this world, you and I have to be aware that the majority of the media that we consume on a daily basis, even that which isn't inherently evil or bad, the majority of the media that we consume on a daily basis fits into this category of profane and vain babblings. It doesn't have a regard for God. It doesn't make us more godly. It doesn't produce the fruits of righteousness. It's profane and vain babblings. And if we're not careful, and we're just going along with the flow of life, scrolling through our phones at the same pace as everyone else, turning to the same channels as everyone else, having no discretion about the media that we're consuming, all of this profane and vain babblings, it will distance you from God. And it may not be inherently evil. NBA basketball, some, be, some people would say that's inherently evil, okay? But just the sport itself isn't evil. But you know, I have to be careful at this time of year with the playoffs and NBA finals. I can consume a lot of time reading about all these series and all these things, and it's not necessarily bad or evil, and it has its place. But if we consume so much of that to the expense of, of God's Word and godly teaching, it's going to distance us from God. The context of this passage, especially speaking that the pulpit or our Sunday school classrooms, 
should not be filled with worldly or empty chatter. And I'm so thankful that we have a pastor who for over 23 years has faithfully preached this book and hasn't given us profane and vain babblings. He's given us the Word of God. And that needs to continue. But some of us, when we show up at church and the Bible is opened and God is ready to speak to us, find that we have little appetite for the Word of God because we have been feeding daily and constantly on profane and vain babblings. And when it comes time for the Word of God, we have little taste for it because we're distant from Him. The broad application of this truth is that the devil is doing everything he can on a daily basis to fill our minds with worldly, empty chatter. A lot of it that may not be evil in and of itself, but it, 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 it is used to distance us from God. And you know a good litmus test in our lives of where we're at with this? How we speak reveals what we've been listening to. What do we talk about the majority of the time? What fills our conversations? What fills our thoughts? That is a reflection of what we've been listening to. And young person, if you don't write anything else down but this, please write this down. You are who you listen to. You are who you listen to. You listen to bad friends. You listen to bad media. You watch bad TV shows. Uh, you scroll through TikTok. You name it. You are what you listen to. And we've got to be very careful, Christian, that we are intaking more of the things that will increase us unto godliness than that which will distance us from God. A few questions just to sum this up. What do we listen to more of? Social media or the scriptures? Television or Bible teaching? Worldly music or worship music? Here's a question. Does your music bring you closer to your God or does it make you more like the world? Because if it's not increasing unto godliness, you need to shun it. You need to avoid it. You need to put it from you. Are we listening more to godless friends or godly friends? You know, the Apostle Paul here, he names some people that needed to be avoided. And parents, you need to take special care to know who your children's friends are. And if your child has a friend that isn't good for them, name them and help them to get better friendships. And parents, you need to name and point out the type of media that is destructive to your children. If any of the young people in our church are on TikTok, that is destructive. Some forms of social media, there can possibly, maybe, if you're abundantly careful, be some benefit to it. TikTok is not one of them. It is evil to its core. People that, that own the companies that make the phones, they don't let their children have that stuff because they know how messed up it is. And you and I were living in this world with so much noise and so much that the devil is seeking to use to distance us from God. And we've got to make the choice to shun it, to avoid it, and choose God's best. 
Number three, and we'll close with this tonight, how the devil operates to steal all that God wants to do in our lives. He seeks to destroy us with guile. Destroy us with guile. Here's what happens, Christian. You allow yourself on a daily basis to be distracted from the gospel. Striving about words, focusing on side issues, forgetting the main thing, which is that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose again that you could have eternal life, and left you here to tell others about it. And we get distracted from that glorious message. We're not living in it on a daily basis. And then there's all this noise from our culture that, that is being used to distance us from God. So now we're distracted from the message that was given to save us. And we're distant from our God and we're just prime real estate for the devil to get his hands on and just totally destroy. You get distracted from the gospel. You get from, distant from your God and you will be destroyed. It's the exact same thing that happened to Eve. The serpent came, and what did he do? Strife about words. Yea, hath God said? Did God really say you couldn't eat of every tree of the garden? Distracting her from the gospel. Distracting her from the truth that God put them in a paradise and said, enjoy all of it except this one tree. Strife about words. Distracting. Yea, hath God said? And then he took it a step further with profane, vain babblings. You know, you can enjoy so much more if you just forget about God and eat this fruit. You will become as gods, knowing good and evil. And it's the same message that our media is pouring into us today. You don't really need God. He doesn't really know what's best for you. The gospel really isn't all that great. And we listen to it long enough and we're distanced from God. And then the devil's lies totally destroy us because we're distracted from the gospel, we're distant from God, and at that point we can't discern between good and evil and we'll ultimately be destroyed. What did the devil do after distracting Eve, after giving her these profane and vain babblings? He looked her in the eye and said, ye shall not surely die. And we wonder, how did that Christian make that ridiculous, terrible decision? How did they get out of church? Because they became distracted, then they became distant, and then they just flat out began believing the devil's lies. And we're all made of the same flesh. And the same thing could happen to any one of us. The devil is a liar. And Christian, let me ask you, what lies are you believing that you are allowing to destroy the spiritual life that God has given you. In conclusion tonight, we've seen how the devil operates. And what is our responsibility? Well, we need to make the choice to avoid all diversions from the gospel. We've got to make the choice. And, and it shows up in two main areas. Number one, in our leadership. And number two, in our lifestyle. Whether you like it or not, everyone in this room has influence. You're leading people closer to Christ or further away from Him. And we need to take this seriously in verse 14, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. And we as leaders, as 
influencers of others need to make the choice. I'm not going to get distracted by side issues. I'm going to steer conversations toward the gospel. I'm going to focus on Christ and help those under my influence do the same. And then the second main area it shows up in is our lifestyle. We've already mentioned it, but we have to make the choice to shun, to avoid certain things. To not listen to those things that would distract us. To, to put away those profane and vain babblings that lead us farther away from Christ. And when the devil lies to you, submit to God and His truth. Resist the devil and he will flee. Quit believing the devil's lies. I love how this text ends. Many of us, after a message like this, we might think, oh man, it's so terrible. It's so hard. We're living in this world. We're being distracted. We're, we're, we're being diverted from God. We have all this noise. Uh, we're being given all these lies. Look at verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation of this church. And He has promised, I will build my church and every individual in it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Lord Jesus isn't going anywhere. He's got you. And the Lord knoweth them that are His. The Lord knows the temptations you face on a daily basis. He knows the lies that you've been believing. He knows how the devil's been distracting you. And He has everything you need for victory. But we've got to follow His plan. Look at how the text ends. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Because we are in Christ and we can call on His name in prayer, we have the freedom and ability to depart from iniquity. We don't have to be duped by the devil. We don't have to miss out on all that God has given us in the Gospel. And so Christian, let me ask you tonight, are you going to devote your life to this Gospel and enjoy all that God has given you? Or are you going to allow the devil to distract you, to distance you from God, and ultimately destroy you? Don't let him win. Christ has given you the victory. Let's look to Him. Let's focus on the Gospel. And let's take this message to a world that desperately needs it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the attention of Your people. I thank You for these powerful truths, liberating truths. I thank You that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. And Lord God, I pray that we wouldn't let these words go in one ear and out the other. Oh God, I pray that we be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Lord, if we've been allowing ourselves to be distracted, if we've been listening to so much noise that's distancing us from You, if we have been believing the devil's lies, Lord, forgive us and show us specifically where these things are showing up in our lives. And Lord, I pray that You would help us to do business with You tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.